Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. Today, we're going to be talking about what Elon Musk gets wrong about remote work. Megan, you talked to our Business Accelerator clients, our coaching clients about this recently. Why do you think this is an issue today? Well, we've certainly gone through a seismic shift in how we work and how we think about work. I mean, I I don't think there's any going back to pre-2020 to that time when the majority of people did not work remotely when the majority of people worked in the office and maybe had never had an exposure to working uh, remotely. And so I think on the other side of COVID, here we are, you know, 2022, almost everyone, especially knowledge workers, have had the experience of working remotely. And there's a tension because it's now, you know, safe to return to the office. We have these office buildings and employers are are thinking to themselves, okay, what am I going to do about this? Meanwhile, the employees have had the benefits of working remotely, which we're going to get into here in a little bit. And so I think that this is an inherent tension between what's what oftentimes employers think makes sense and what employees want for their lives. And of course, right now, employees have more power than they've ever had to, um, you know, not not let that tension be resolved in favor of the organizations like it might have several years ago. By the way, interesting fact that I just read this week is Apple's employees have voted to unionize. Really? And that's like one of the last companies that I yeah. thought would go there. But it's interesting, kind of the changing power dynamic that's happening in the workplace. Yep. Okay, so half of companies want workers back in the office five days a week, according to research by Microsoft. Half of companies. Meanwhile, the same research shows that 52% of employees want remote work. In other words, they admitted to considering new, fully remote, or hybrid jobs. So that's kind of an interesting tension between these two. That's a a setup, (laughs) which will be interesting to watch it unfold and how it resolves. And we kind of have some predictions, I think, about that. All right, Ken, do you know what's happening right now? No, I have no idea. <laughs> well, first of all, it's your favorite time of year, finally. It's, yes! We can act, okay, like I give approval for us to actually listen to Christmas music now that Thanksgiving's over. Jingle bells, jingle Yes. Uh, it's our holiday sale here at Full Focus. Oh, And we have better. some really awesome deals going on, especially if for some reason you missed out on our Black Friday deals. This is a great time to get your planners and everything for the new year. And so we have got uh, some awesome deals. So we've got 10% off site-wide. Um, we've got where you can get a free um, Your Best Year Ever vinyl sticker pack. For any new planner subscription that you sign up for. So these are great to put on things like your Stanley mug. Wow, you already put them on your Stanley mug? And if you got them them if you got them on Black Friday, these are different. These are these are gonna be new for the new year. Uh, but they're great for that. You can also put them on your planner, you can put them on your computer, wherever you want them. They're great. great. They're great stickers. We're also doing 25% off courses. Let's go. So specifically, we've been talking a lot about our goal setting course. um, And this is going to be $75 off. And you get a free ticket to your best year ever live with your purchase. So you definitely don't. It's like a crazy, crazy, crazy deal. So you don't want to miss out on that. And your favorite thing, which is our certification program, 
we're doing $800 off of it. And this is a fantastic time of year to get in. Um, we are actually going to be doing a beta group for our new digital planner. Yes, it's going to be fantastic. crazy exciting. So anyways, go to fullfocusstore.com now. Shop our holiday sale. Make sure to use the code HOLIDAY10 to get all these deals and more. Yeah, so the poster child for in-office only is now Elon Musk. So he's famous for a lot of things and including this. And at the end of May, he sent an email to his team and he said, quote, anyone who wishes to do remote work must be in the office for a minimum. And then he put in parentheses, and I mean, italics, minimum of 40 hours per week or depart Tesla. And then in a follow-up message, he said, quote, if you don't show up, we'll assume you've resigned. And when someone asks about it on Twitter, (laughs) you got to love this response, he says, quote, they should pretend to work somewhere else. Oh, my God. Wow. Well, he's nothing if not uh, a lightning rod. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that that's so interesting because it seems that kind of his position is that unless you can physically see your employees working and unless they're in the physical office, there's no guarantee. In fact, maybe there's a guarantee to the contrary that they will be productive and be able to deliver results. And that's a very strong position to take. It's a very contrary position to take, I think, uh, against the cultural tide that is is leaning toward remote or hybrid work. And so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out for him. But, you know, we think um, that there are things that are great about remote work. There are things that are great about uh, in-person work. And we're going to talk today about what's best about both of those and also what's best about a hybrid option, some of both, which is what we do here at Full Focus. Um, and again, you know, I shared some of this with our clients several months ago, and it really got a great response. I think it helped kind of frame up the conversation in a way that, uh, as always, is focused on how do we drive results? And part of driving results is keeping our teams engaged, satisfied, excited about the work that they're doing so that they can produce fantastic operating results. And so we're going to dig into that today, and I'm excited. You know, there's a sense in which nothing is new under the sun. I can remember having these debates when I was in the big corporate world 15 years ago, when we had some employees that wanted to work remotely, including me. And, you know, there were others that were, were really opposed to it, including my successor. But I think we've come a long way since then. But I think it might be helpful before we get into this conversation to say that I think it depends upon the nature of your work. Sure. Like, for example, if you're a doc or a nurse in an emergency room, remote work's probably not possible. Mm-hmm. If you're working, and this, you know, I have you have to give Elon Musk a little bit of credit here. If you're working on a factory floor assembling automobiles, remote work is probably not possible. I think the issue is that that he didn't distinguish between, I don't know what percentage of his workforce works on the factory floor as opposed to those that are more or less knowledge workers that really don't have to be there. But I think we have to d- differentiate between different kinds of work. So we're, mm-hmm. we're not talking about businesses for whom physical presence is an essential component. Right. I, I think that's really important to say. Um, and, you know, as we get into this conversation What we believe is that there are things that are distinctly great about both in-person work and remote work and that there are when when you try to 
shoehorn something that doesn't fit well with that format of work into it, then then you end up with problems, you know? And so this is not without its pitfalls, I think, for our clients, our business accelerator coaching clients, and for those of you who are business owners and leaders listening, this is gonna require a nuanced response from you. It's gonna require a lot of thought, probably some conversations with your team to get it right for your unique context. This is not a one-size-fits-all uh, kind of a scenario. That's right. You gotta think through it. There's no perfect solution. You've got to consider your particular circumstances and then adjust accordingly. So let's talk about what's best about in-person. Yeah, well, this is kind of easy to forget. And I think sometimes lately we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater a little bit. We've gotten so excited about remote work and the benefits of that, which we'll talk about here in a couple of minutes, that we've actually forgotten why we got together in the first place and why it's so beneficial to be physically in the same space at the same time. And there's some really good reasons to do that. The first one is collaboration. You know, this is one that I think if, if you sort of look back at your experience through COVID, you could probably remember times when you tried to do the equivalent of whiteboarding over Zoom. And it's just not the same. You know, it, it's kind of hard to articulate why it's not the same. The, not the least of which is you don't actually have a physical whiteboard. You know, you're trying to use it either in the Zoom app or some other kind of app. And there's just some kind of magic that happens when you get people in the same room and you're trying to think of big ideas. You're trying to do work that requires... Um, the thinking of multiple people, there are just aha moments and breakthroughs that happen when you're sitting next to each other across the table that don't happen so well in a more transactional um, virtual environment. Yeah, it's it's funny. I just had this happen a, a couple of weeks ago. I was in a meeting. We were doing the whiteboard and we were having this incredible, deep, fast-paced conversation. And the whiteboard was there to record our in insights, but it wasn't front and center. And I think too often in a in a Zoom meeting, the whiteboard becomes front and center when really the conversation should be front and center. And it sounds mm -hmm. like a minor thing, but I find that when I try to use a whiteboard in most Zoom meetings, it kind of gets in the way. Yeah. It's a little bit too intrusive. Yeah, I I think that's totally true, and I don't like it at all. I I for a while was trying to use that, and I, it just it was annoying, honestly. Not to mention the fact that sometimes it doesn't work, or it sticks, or people can't see it, or I don't know, you know, there's just technical issues that come up that kind of gunk up the process. And there's something about the physical, tactile experience of being in the same space, hearing that squeak of the expo marker on your whiteboard, changing colors, being able to free associate and get people up there together, that you just come up with ideas and solutions to problems. And I think that's a really important point, the solutions to problems that you might not have if you were doing it virtually. So I think collaboration is a big thing about, you know, a, a big reason that in-person is a great solution. Before we get email on this from the geeks, uh, we're not opposed to digital whiteboards in offices. In fact, yeah. uh, our financial advisor uses one and it's so cool. And every time I'm there, I, I just drool and we've got to get one in our own office. So it's not that. That's not the problem. It doesn't require a physical whiteboard. It's just in the office when you've got a whiteboard of any type, it's just less intrusive. Well, you know, you're you're up and down off your feet. One person will be up there writing and digital or or otherwise, and somebody else will jump up and, and kind of like start drawing arrows. I mean, there's just something that happens with people in the same room. 
Which kind of leads us to the next point here about what's uh, best about in-person, which is innovation and teamwork. You know, these are kind of uh, versions of collaboration in a way, but if you've got to think of, of ideas, it is very difficult to be creative in a virtual space. I mean, I can think of so many times during COVID where I just thought, gosh, if I could just get people together in a room, I know we could crack this so much faster, so much easier than we could in a virtual environment, which is just kind of two-dimensional. It, it feels more transactional. You don't have those little side conversations. It just feels a little bit more formal. And I think that gets in the way of innovation and teamwork. I think another thing about innovation is that it happens in the cracks. And what yeah. I mean by that is it's not in formal meetings, but it happens in those water cooler conversations, right. the coffee pot conversations, on the way to the restroom conversations. It's not planned. It's not scripted. It's not time allotted for innovation. It's just, you know, you have an idea and you run it by a colleague in the moment. And, you know, sometimes those turn into multi-million dollar ideas. Right. But you can't always do that in a virtual setting because it's not that predictable. Yeah. And if you're tempted to think, well, you know, we came up with some really great stuff during COVID. I mean, we we did too. And honestly, uh, 2020 in particular had some real highlights that I think were um, surprising considering how restricted everything was. I think part of the reason that was possible is because the relationships that we had developed with our team prior to going into that lockdown period were really strong. And so there was just all this relational equity that we were able to draw on. And then we found it much harder in 2021 after hiring a whole bunch of new people that we didn't have that equity with until we were able to get back together in person, the innovation, the collaboration, the teamwork, those things were harder with those people that we didn't have all this history with. And so, um, you know, if, if you're listening to us and you're kind of inclined to, to be dismissive maybe of, well, yeah, but it actually went okay. Just ask yourself that question. Could relational equity have been the thing that carried you through? And maybe that's something to consider as you're asking yourself, okay, what's the best long-term solution? Because that may not always be in play if you're adding new people to your team. So yeah, it's it's really difficult to build culture remotely. And mm -hmm. you know, I hate to say this or hate to admit it, but I think there was a real difference between the people that we hired during the pandemic and the people that we hired before the pandemic, and, and this was none of their fault, it's just that the circumstances didn't allow us to build culture in the same way that we could when we were in person. Because values are often caught, not taught. Mm -hmm. And it's just the, the way that we are and the way that we are being around each other that creates the culture that drives the operating results. And I think that's really difficult to do in an exclusively remote kind of situation. You can you can do part of it for sure, but you definitely have to be more intentional. But when you're in person, that stuff comes naturally and it's it's more easily done. Well, and what we've seen with our own team is that we've had to be very intentional and purposeful now that it's safe to be back together. We've been back in the office for several months to really create those bonds with people, get to know the people that are new and really kind of assimilate them into our culture and help them feel like they belong, help them feel like, uh, you know, they're they're connected to one another because, you know, you can get the work done remotely, but that's not the same thing as having cohesion on your team. So for us, we've had to make culture a real priority and find ways 
to help people connect to each other kind of in this new season. Because there was a period where it was difficult, where we were in kind of this extended remote period. We'd hired a bunch of new people. And and there was a real difference between the people who'd been there a long time and how they felt connected to each other and the newer people. And we had to bridge that gap. Um, and, you know, fortunately, we've made great progress with that. But it was it was tough. You know, one last item here in terms of what's best about in-person, and that's having hard conversations. Yeah. And it's inevitable in any kind of community, but particularly in a work community, that there are going to be occasions when you have to have difficult conversations, performance-related, attitude-related, whatever it is. And and the more personal that can be, the more in-person-like that can be, the better off you are. Because you want to be in that situation if you're the leader, if you're the one initiating that conversation, you want to be able to not only hear that person's voice and see that person, but pick up on all the subtle cues that that often aren't communicated virtually. I mean, it makes the conversation go better because so much that's communicated is nonverbal. And I, I think that's one of the great things about being in person. You have, I think, a much better chance of it being accepted and received and being successful when it's when it's in person. So, you know, the worst thing, the worst way to have a hard conversation is to send somebody a, a text message, you know, oh, the yeah. proverbial text breakup. Um, the the next best is probably telephone. At least you get the the audio component there. Even better than that is video conferencing, but the best of the best is to do it in person. Yeah. And I, you know, on a regular basis, I have to have hard, hard conversations. <laughs> and I can say, having had hard conversations in all of those mediums, I would always rather do it in person because, you know, I think it was Mike Tyson who famously said, everybody has a plan to get punched in the face. You know, it's like, hopefully nobody's getting punched in the face at your workplace. But, uh, you know, figuratively speaking, it's like we have a plan for a hard conversation. One of the things I've learned is it's so helpful to go into those hard conversations, whether you have to terminate somebody or do a, you know, kind of coaching up conversation around performance or conduct or whatever, um, or just, you know, just bring something up with somebody that's just more of a, a, you know, constructive feedback kind of thing. You always want to go in with a, a plan. The problem is you're dealing with two people, at least in, in a conversation like that, and you don't really know how it's going to go until you're there. And your response can be so much more precise, so much more nuanced. Like you said, you have a much better chance of steering the conversation toward a positive outcome if you can be there in person because you have so many more um, cues to read than just someone's voice or just someone's face. I mean, even on Zoom, it's amazing how much can be lost in translation. So as you're thinking about this for your organization, I, I just want to really encourage you to prioritize having these hard conversations in person. It builds relational equity because there's a vulnerability to it that creates uh, trust and intimacy if it's done well, uh, which is going to help you in the future, but much harder to do that in these other mediums. Marissa, I cannot tell you how excited I am for your best year ever live coming up January 5th. Yes, I'm so excited too. I can't wait. Yes, this is the event that you would want to come attend if you're just like, man, I want to look at how well did I do in the past, but I also want to set myself up for success to have, like we call it in the title, your best year ever. 
this is the event you want to be at. We have thousands of people coming to this event yes. already. And you and I will be emceeing this event. Yes. So there's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of excitement to come join us to make it a great year for you. Yes. Now, in order for you to receive it, all you have to do is buy the full focus goal setting course and you get a ticket to your best year ever. Yes. And the best part is that that course is 25% off right now. So uh, you're going to get a discount and a ticket to the live event, which is normally $197. That's a killer so deal. So it's a killer deal. It's a no brainer in my opinion. Um, but definitely join us. It's going to be so much fun. January 5th, it's totally virtual. So no matter where you are in the world or, um, you know, whether you can get on a plane or not, don't worry about it. You don't have to. You can do this from the comfort of your own home. And, We'll be right there. Yeah. And just imagine having your goals already set for the entire year and a plan to execute them. Yeah. That's worth all the money that you can. And the best part, it's a free event for you yeah. if you buy the Full Focus Goal Setting Course. Yes. All right. Well, we would love to see you there. So make sure to go to fullfocusstore.com and take advantage of this deal. We'd love to see you at your best driver live. Okay, so what's the best about in-person? We've given several points, collaboration, innovation, teamwork, culture building, hard conversations. What's best about remote work? And before we dive into the points on this, I just like to say, if you're gonna do remote work, you know, for goodness sake, this far into the pandemic, you know, maybe this side of the pandemic, if we can say that, invest in remote work. Nothing is worse than being in a remote conversation and, and somebody has a laggy camera or a bad internet connection or my favorite, bad lighting. So you're looking at a person who's basically a silhouette because they haven't lit the front of their face. And, you know, by now you should be able to figure out where the mute button is and make sure that you don't start talking on mute. But still, from time to time, we all find ourselves there. So what's <laughs> best about remote work, Meg? Yeah, well, assuming none of those things go wrong, uh, there are so many great things about remote work. And I think we all discovered this together, um, maybe for the first time for many of us in 2020. One of the things is just focus. You know, when you're not at the office and you're being interrupted all the time, especially if you're the boss, um, there is so much value in doing solitary asynchronous work, meaning it's work that you don't have to do in collaboration simultaneously with others, you know, synchronous work. If you can do your solitary asynchronous work at home or wherever, wherever you like to work remotely, you know, you're going to be able to focus in a way that drives your productivity probably like you've never experienced before. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I can get so much done. And when I have to do that deep work, as Cal Newport calls it, I'd much prefer to do that at, at home because then mm -hmm. when I'm at the office. I get distracted. I get involved in conversations and all that can be valuable, you know, in terms of all the things we said before. But for really knocking out the work and seeing progress, there's nothing like solitary, asynchronous work. Well, and I think this is something to lean into here for a second, because when you go back to the beginning of our show, where we were talking about Elon Musk and his position being that, you know, basically people can't be productive and produce results when they're not in the office. Uh, I mean, that's just so untrue. We all know that from our own experience that, being in the office is really distracting. Even if you have a private office, people are probably coming by, they're knocking on your door, maybe you get stuck in the hallway talking to somebody. If you can have uninterrupted time, there is no more productive time 
than that. And, you know, hopefully you're hiring people that are inherently trustworthy, who are mature, who understand, you know, the link between their their daily productivity and the company's results. Um, but if you care about focus and productivity, embracing remote work for for that kind of activity is is hugely beneficial. You know, this is something I want to say that doesn't quite fit here, but I'm not sure where else to do it. And it's occurring to me right now. But I think that one of the things, if you if you're like Elon Musk and you rule out the possibility of remote work, one of the things that you're inadvertently communicating that you probably don't want to communicate is that we don't trust you. Mm-hmm. You know, unless we have a situation where we can observe you all the time, we're just going to assume that you're a bad person and you're goofing off. But I've said to people who have had that argument with me, and again, I've been listening to this for almost two two decades now, but I said, how do you really know, even if the person next to you, unless you're looking over their shoulder, that they could be scrolling Facebook, they could be shopping on Amazon, they could be goofing off in a thousand ways. What, what difference does it make if you're there or not? Because you're probably not going to hover over their shoulder and look at everything they do and monitor it. But most of us don't need a big brother, a big brother in that sense, at least. And I, I think that one of the things that remote work communicates is that, hey, we trust you. And we expect you to be productive. And in my experience, and again, it's limited and it's smaller teams, but in my experience, uh, people usually live into that. Yeah, absolutely. It also says we're focused on outcomes, not the process to reach the outcomes. And I think if you're going to be a results-oriented company, a company that is consistently producing great operating results, you want to be focused on holding people accountable for the outcomes and not micromanaging the process. People are productive in different ways, and the more autonomy you can give them, the better. So I think this is a great option. Okay, here's another benefit about remote, is that it avoids the dreaded commute. Yeah. And depending on how long your commute is, that can give you back a lot of time, but it's not just time. It's the lack of stress. You know, occasionally, I mean, for decades, I commuted back and forth, probably 30 to sometimes an hour and a half each way. And one of the things I I forget when I drive to the airport now, which is up where I last worked in the corporate world, so it was about a 30-minute drive, I forgot how stressful it is. Mm -hmm. Just being in traffic, and trying to navigate all that and just the time, it, it's a it's a real stressor. And when that goes away, suddenly you get the time back and you're more relaxed, which Absolutely. also is conducive to productivity. Well, and now as we're recording this, gas prices, I mean, just the cost. I, yesterday, I filled up my big car. You know, I've got a bunch of kids, so I've got a big car. And it cost me $135. I mean, that's crazy. Wow. $135, you know, now if I were commuting, maybe I would choose a different car. Um, but nevertheless, the prices have gone up. And I, I think that part of why we feel this tension between employees and employers around remote and in-person work is because employees are thinking to themselves, listen, why would I give you an hour or two a day for functionally for free that's unproductive time that I could be spending at home attending to other more important things or working on more important things. You know, it's just the the value proposition or the cost benefit uh, around that makes no sense at all. There's just not value in going to the office every day and the the trade-offs that are required if somebody has to commute. I, I think this is one of the ways in which the rise in leadership, you lose 
the ability or the sensitivity of what people who are at lower echelons of the organization mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. You know, Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. You know, it's no big deal for him to pay to however he gets to work. I mean, it's it's not a big deal. But when you're talking about, you know, entry-level workers or people that are not in those executive positions, and you're that's essentially, and I've never thought about this, Megan, but you're asking them to give up whatever it is the commute time is. They're not getting paid for that, right? right. Plus the gasoline. Right. And for some people, I mean, I read with great sadness this week that there are people in the United States today who are parents who are deciding that they're not going to eat one day a week so they can afford to feed their kids. Right. Because of gas prices. Because of gas prices. Right. And so I think anything we could do to to try to, you know, stay in touch with that and realize that even though as business owners, we maybe can afford it, we may gripe about it, but we can afford it. But that's not everybody. And we need to be conscious of that. Well, especially when you think about what the trade-off is in terms of the time. It means your kids are in daycare for longer, maybe up to two hours a day longer. If you have little kids, those are probably almost their only waking hours. And you're talking about getting home with maybe an hour left at the end of the day. You know, I remember when Joel, my husband, was a single dad um, before we got married, and he was commuting almost an hour both ways. And, you know, our oldest two kids were little at that point, his two kids. And, you know, that was running through McDonald's on the way home and go home and put the kids to bed. I mean, there was no time for that relationship because you're just spending all that time. You think about that's the margin where you get to exercise. That's the margin where you get to meal prep. You know, that's the margin where you're reading or where you're making sure you're getting to bed early enough to get enough sleep or you have time to go to the doctor. I mean, there's just so many things happen in that hour before work and hour after work that if you're commuting, making dinner for your family, so you're sitting down instead of running through Chick-fil-A, right? And we know the research around that is so strong in terms of predicting positive outcomes for families. And so the trade-offs just aren't there. And I think you're right. It's easy to forget if you are, you know, the big cheese, so to speak, what the impact is on the people that work for you if they have to commute every day. Okay, one last benefit of remote working, because I know we need to move on, and that is virtual meetings can be enormously productive. Um, As much as we've talked about in the previous point that it's really valuable to be in person for a meeting, there's a certain efficiency to virtual meetings Mm -hmm. that I really like. I I personally like both, but I'm on a nonprofit board we used to meet always in person till COVID. Then we went exclusively remote. And we just decided at our last board meeting that we would do two meetings a year in person, but two meetings a year remote. So we got to the place where during COVID, we could do in six hours, which I know sounds like an enormously long meeting, but six hours on Zoom, what in person would take us two days. Wow. Because there's no side conversations. There's no chit chat. You know, everything's very controlled, very efficient, very focused. And so there is there is some value there for virtual meetings. I Again, I don't think it's the best solution, but it's an advantage, certainly, to being remote. Absolutely. And there are so many things that we can just do more efficiently in a virtual space if it's transactional or informational, which, you know, let's be honest, a lot of our work is. There's no reason to kind of gunk that up with more relational freight than is necessary. Let's save that for the collaborative innovative, uh, you know, kind of work that we were talking about earlier. And again, that's why you got to know the difference between the two. Hey, one thing I forgot to mention when we were talking about commuting, this isn't specifically related to commuting, but it is talking about attending to your personal life. Another thing that we can forget as leaders that has become important to our team. When you're working remotely, most of the time, you know, you can go down and make yourself lunch and pop something in the crock pot for dinner. 
that's that's a big deal. You know, you can let the the guy in that's coming to fix your AC in in between meetings without disrupting your work or your productivity. I mean, it's, you know, you just got to be there to let the person in in a way that really impacts your quality of life. You know, you're not trying to squeeze all those things in at the end of the day or on the weekends. And for, for a lot of people, that's been a major stress relief and something they don't want to give up. Okay, so we've talked about what's best about in-person. We've talked about what's best about remote, including the ability to focus, avoiding commuting, virtual meetings, attending to our personal life, a shorter workday. What's best about hybrid? This is what we do at Full Focus, but Meg, what's best about this option? Well, I love this option because I'm all about win-win. You know, let's get the best of both worlds and let's give people what they need for collaboration, but let's preserve a lot of autonomy so that we can win at work and succeed at life, which is what we talk all about all the time here at Full Focus. So here, what we do is we ask people to come in, you know, on average, one to two days a week. There are some exceptions to that based on different kinds of positions. But I would say, on average, most people come in one to two days a week, which is enough time to do that collaborative, innovative work to develop relationships with your coworkers, um, to be in person for, you know, hard conversations when needed. That's That just seems to be kind of the sweet spot for us. Um, then we also find that executives and directors are leaders end up being in the office more. And I think that's because they're doing more uh, kind of idea type work. They benefit from collaboration more. It's helpful from an alignment perspective. So, you know, I personally am in the office most days. Uh, Occasionally I work from home right now, but mostly I'm in the office and I love that. And that's true for um, a couple of our executives and a lot of our directors as well. We usually have people meeting uh, once a week for what we call a weekly focus meeting, basically a team version of our weekly preview modified from the full focus planner. So that's important. And if possible, we try to do that meeting in person. I think it's helpful to have the whole team physically in person together once a week, if at all possible. Um, Sometimes we don't hit that exactly, but that's what we strive for. And we've seen really great results from that. Um, We also have a company-wide ideal week. So you probably have heard us talk on this podcast about the ideal week for individuals and in particular for leaders and for business owners and the value of having kind of a, a sketch of what your ideal week can be so you ensure that you're getting that high leverage work, work that's in your desire zone that drives results in your business. Well, the same is true for an organization. You know, for example, In our company-wide ideal week, we have what we call Flex Wednesdays. This is a no meeting day. People can decide when they start work and when they stop work. You know, in general, that's a six-hour block of time, but some people like to break it up into two blocks. They like to get up really early or they like to have the whole day and do it in the evening. And, you know, people love that autonomy. And because that's not synchronous work, it doesn't really matter when people do it. And that has been really beneficial. Also, we try to have collaboration happen in person whenever possible. You know, we just want to be... With that whiteboard, we want to be around the table. We try to avoid meetings that need to be hybrid meetings, meaning some people are in person, some people are remote. Uh, Not such a big deal if it's a presentation or if it's information sharing. We have found it can feel frustrating to try to collaborate. Let's say you have five people in person and one or two that are virtual. 
even though we're using um, some neat camera technology from a company called Owl uh, that is helpful in kind of bridging that hybrid meeting gap, it's still not ideal, you know? So that's, other than we might have one of our executive assistants who's taking notes, who's virtual, and that seems to be okay. But if they're really participating in the collaboration, it can be hard. And then uh, we do routine one-on-ones that are virtual for the most part. And uh, at least once a month, we like for those to be in person. Again, you want to develop those relationships with your direct reports, but sometimes it's fairly transactional. And as long as it's not only transactional and you're still having time to be in person, you can kind of maximize the time by doing the majority of those uh, in a virtual setting. You know what I love about this? So often we get into these debates in our culture that that force an either or answer. Right. And so often the best solution is a both and answer. And that's what's great about this. I mean, there's there's not really a reason to choose unless you have unique circumstances in your business that require exclusively in-person or exclusively remote. And that's why I think hybrid is something that that really everybody should consider if you can, because there's benefits to both. And I think you'll work optimally when you employ both. Yep, I absolutely agree. Well, for all of these reasons, in case you you hadn't already gotten there with us, what we're really advocating for is a hybrid solution to work. One that incorporates the best of in-person work and the best of remote work. We feel like that is the best thing for most companies, especially if the work you do is is knowledge-based work, to get the best from your team members and the best in terms of results. You know, it's really a win-win solution. And if this is not something that you have given a try, I just wanna encourage you, like we often do, to set this up like an experiment. Go ahead and kind of sketch out what you think your ideal version of this is, of a hybrid plan, and give it a try for you know 60, 90 days and get feedback. Don't commit to it long-term, but rather than having everybody come back into the office, see if you can come up, full-time I mean, see if you can come up with a hybrid plan that fits your needs and then tweak from there and give your employees some autonomy, some agency, some, some input into this process. And I think you're gonna like what's on the other side of that. You know, Megan, this is the kind of thing that we talk about inside our Business Accelerator Coaching Program. And the reason I love that program so much is it gives us sort of a shop or a workbench on which all of us can work together and debate this kind of stuff and really encourage one another to try new things. And so if you're a business owner, I want to encourage you to check out our Business Accelerator Coaching Program. You can do that at businessaccelerator.com. I also want to encourage you to schedule a free uh, business growth coaching call with one of our business growth consultants. Again, it's free. It's only 45 minutes. You can do that at lead2.win forward slash call. Lead2.win slash call. And they'll help you get really focused on the things that you need to address to move your business forward in a big way along with your personal life. So check it out again at lead2.win slash call. Well, guys, thanks so much for joining us today. This has been a really fun conversation about something I think we're all thinking about right now. Hopefully it's been useful to you. And we're going to look forward to seeing you right back here next week. Until then, lead to win.
All right, Ken, do you know what's happening right now? No, I have no idea. <laughs> well, first of all, it's your favorite time of year, finally. It's, yes! We can act, okay, like I give approval for us to actually listen to Christmas music now that Thanksgiving's over. Jingle bells, jingle. Yes. Uh, it's our holiday sale here at Full Focus. Oh, And we have better. some really awesome deals going on, especially if for some reason you missed out on our Black Friday deals. This is a great time to get your planners and everything for the new year. And so we have got uh, some awesome deals. So we've got 10% off site-wide. Um, we've got where you can get a free um, Your Best Year Ever vinyl sticker pack. For any new planner subscri- subscription that you sign up for. So these are great to put on things like your Stanley mug. Wow, you already put them on yeah. your Stanley mug? And if are you got them, them if you got them on Black Friday, these are different. These are these are gonna be new for the new year. Uh, but they're great for that. You can also put them on your planner, you can put them on your computer, wherever you want them. But they're great. great. They're great stickers. We're also doing 25% off courses. Let's go. So specifically, we've been talking a lot about our goal setting course. Um, and this is going to be $75 off and you get a free ticket to your best year ever live with your purchase. So you definitely don't. It's huge. like a crazy, crazy, crazy deal. So you don't want to miss out on that. And your favorite thing, which is our certification program we're doing $800 off of it. And this is a fantastic time of year to get in. Um, we are actually going to be doing a beta group for our new digital planner. Yes. It's going to be fantastic. Crazy exciting. So anyways, go to fullfocusstore.com now shop our holiday sale. Make sure to use the code holiday 10 to get all these deals and more.